in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. It's Fourth Down in the Steel City. I'm Adam Crowley. He's Colin Dunlap. If I sound tired, if I sound hoarse, it's because I was at the Backyard Brawl in the not-too-recent past whenever you're listening to this podcast, and I may or may not have woken up from our producer's email to do the podcast. Colin, how are yes. you? Yes, I'm not tired. Not remotely tired. I'm good. I got a little bit of sleep. I'm hard at it. Um, uh, on vacation until Wednesday. I uh, will do the podcast. Ah, we got to figure out what we got to do about the podcast on the holiday. We'll figure that all out, but uh, and then we'll we'll come to you. We'll we'll have one early in the week, that's for sure. But uh, now that you ask, I'm doing great. I am not tired, not to rub it in. Um, going to the pirate game tonight, feeling good. Going to be down, considerably less people on the North Shore, I'm guessing. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I kind of want to get to that a little bit later on in the podcast, Colin the number of people on the North Shore for the Backyard Brawl because it was an atmosphere unlike one that I've seen at Acrisure Stadium at Heinz Field in a very long time, and that includes the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I want yes. to talk can I, about – Can I make an observation yeah. about the North Shore that yeah. without blowing that whole thing? Do you ever notice on the – first of all, the North Shore is a new thing. Like it used to be the North Side yeah. all, all the way my whole life. Second of all, if you watch the news – and this is an observation I've had for, for some years now since they built the two stadiums, okay? And this is this is interesting to me. If you watch the news, something can happen in the same exact spot, okay? Let's say that there is a charity uh, fun run or something, right? It is the North Shore right there. Let's say that there's a violent crime, <laughs> Uh, a week later in that very same spot, it'll be the north side. Yeah, you're totally right about that. It's wild to me. Yeah, you are 100% right. I don't know what that means. North Shore just sounds so, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're going to put your feet in the water, right? And your butt in a, in a chair or something. North Shore is like, come on down here. It's nice. It's, uh, you know, touristy. We're going to have fun. We're going to gather. North side is all grit. So again, it could it could happen at the same exact intersection. If it's bad, it's North Side. If it's good, it's North Shore. I swear to you. I swear to you. Well, the professional sports team that mm, tries to win that plays on the North Side, they cut down their roster earlier on this week. Does that feel like it was a month and a half ago? Yeah, seems like it. Um, and, you know, I'm not real big on, and I know you said this on the podcast before, I'm not real big on trying to figure out, and then once it comes out, the 53rd guy on the roster versus the 54th guy on the roster and who ended up being 56th as opposed to who was 49th. I'm not real big on that. But one thing does jump out at me, and I think they might have – I don't know where all the receivers fit. I just – I don't know. I don't know where Gunnar Olszewski fits. I don't know how when Calvin Austin comes back from injury where he fits. They have after George Pickens and obviously Deontay Johnson, they have a lot of guys that have to figure out what the hell they are. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, and I wonder I wonder what it says about a guy like Gunnar Olszewski that you keep him 
but you also keep a guy like Sims, who I think you would argue both might do similar things. One is a returner. The other's a returner. It seems kind of like a redundancy to me. I also do wonder with Calvin Austin, the third, because of the position that he plays, and we all think he's going to play in the slot given his size and, and his athletic ability at the NFL level. I wonder how long it would take Calvin Austin, the third, to get up to speed and get ready to go in an NFL regular season game. If the Steelers would trust the guy who missed a lot of camp here to jump on a moving train whenever you have all kinds of nuances with being a slot receiver and option routes and understanding all the concepts and things of that nature. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that a guy that they believe in, in Calvin Austin, the third might not be utilized all that much in year number one. I think Calvin Austin, the third is headed for a red shirt. I really do. Yeah. For the most part, it feels like, uh, you know, I think he'll grow into something. Hopefully he doesn't become a Marcus Wheaton or something like that. But I do think that he's headed for a red shirt, and I think it's probably the smart move. Also, I one thing with the receivers, too, and I don't want to derail where the conversation was going, but I thought for sure, and I know we brought this up just a little bit last week on the podcast or the last episode, we didn't find out anything about Chase Claypool in camp. Not I one. wanted to find out something about Chase Claypool. Yeah, he made one contested catch in one of the preseason games, and that was it. And we've seen him do that in the past. We saw it a lot more his first season than we did his second season. I think Chase Claypool's going to be a good player. Whenever he was a freshman, so to speak, a rookie, I thought he could potentially be a great player. But the thing about him is they want to use him in the slot too but they didn't have the opportunity to work him out there really in training camp and in the preseason because, well, he wasn't out there. So that's a big deal to me. Steelers bring in an outside linebacker. Steelers bring in an offensive lineman. We'll get the nuts and bolts stuff out of the way here before we get into some of the North Shore, North Side conversation that I wanted to get to as well. But I like the Malik Reed move, the outside linebacker from Denver that they bring in. Spoke with Mark Schlereth this week, and he was raving about the guy. Oh, my gosh. I really didn't want them to trade Mar- to trade Malik Reed. Malik Reed is really a great pass rusher, and he's a guy that we really need as a rotational piece. Okay. Uh, if Mark Schlereth says that, the football dude guy, okay, I guess I can get on board with that. With T.J. Watt, generally taking a playoff here and there, not when he's on the field, but literally taking a play and coming off the field. I do think you needed a guy like Malik Reed. And it does make me wonder about a, how confident they are in Alex Highsmith's health or maybe just B how comfortable they are or confident they are in Alex Highsmith altogether. You're right. And you know, something else, it jumps to the surface for me with Malik Reed. I, I, first of all, I think your first indication is absolutely true. In fact, that Alex Highsmith is hurt worse than we anticipated initially. So that's number one, Adam. Okay. So let's work off of that base. The second is this. Why did Denver part with Malik Reed for what they parted with? The Steelers can be happy. And a lot of Steeler fans are like, wow, you know, you get a quality player for not a not a big sum. Now I understand, and I get the fact that you know um, 
there's a rotation there. He ended up falling the third. Am I, am I wrong for not celebrating the fact that someone else was so quick to part with him for such a cheap rate? Yeah, especially a guy who over the last couple of years for them had 13 sacks combined. He played 13 games in each of the last two seasons. They relied on him in injury situations. They feel like they're deep at the outside linebacker position. Denver does. But I don't think if he's as valuable as a guy like Mark Schlereth says he is, why you would be willing to part with him as quickly as they part with him. I did not love the other move they made at offensive line. I think they almost acquired Joe Hegg 2.0. I initially, when it happened, I thought, okay, maybe this guy could somehow fit into the best five linemen. If you're trying to do that thing, replay your best five guys on the line. And then I really started digging into him a lot more. And I mean, he just seems like Joe Hague, but kind of Joe Hagier. Like he's played more than Joe Hague and at a little bit higher of a level. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. That's right. He's just a guy that they hope that. That's a lot maybe... more streamlined in the way that I said it. Yeah, no, no, no. He's just a guy though. And that they hope they get something out of him. And that they hope that he a change of scenery brings better football. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. Colin, you know what I want to do? Go to sleep. Yeah, I'm sitting here on my couch in my basement, uh-huh. and I'm just leaning forward. Right. And well, really tell me this. Sleep. Well, forget this thing. Let's oh. talk about this. What's the worst place to be tired? Is it driving? Is mm-hmm. it traveling? Mm-hmm. Is it mm-hmm. at home with a kid? Is it what's the worst place to be tired? So I always thought school was the worst place to be tired. Okay. Sitting there in the classroom, whenever your history teacher is just droning on and you're sitting there and you know you want to put your head down, but you can't and you're nodding off, that was always bad. I've never been a night driver because I'm always super paranoid about falling asleep while driving. So okay. it's never really been an issue for me. What about you? Um, The worst place to be tired. Uh, driving scary. That's for sure. Yeah, that's no good. <clears throat> I don't like that. No one does. I don't think anybody likes driving tired. That sucks. So that's probably the worst. Tra- traveling tired when you're traveling back home mm. is terrible. Yeah. When you're going somewhere and you know that, well, even if I'm tired, once I get there, there's a payoff. Okay traveling even if it's air travel or however and you're on your way back home from a vacation or whatever and you just can't get comfortable enough to sleep but you're tired that sucks because there's nothing to look forward to but going back to work or coming home to regular life or you know reclaiming and regaining what is uh, what you just went on vacation to get away from (laughs) so that that's that's awful too. Like if you go in, a, especially somewhere far. Like if you go to Hawaii, and you fly home, a lot of times right at the flight leaves at like midnight, dead on, dead on midnight Hawaii time, and you travel back and you just you land in Phoenix at Sky Harbor somewhere, and you're just you're dead tired, and you're like, oh man, I got six more hours of this all the way, and I can't fall asleep, and I got to get all the way to Pittsburgh. That sucks because. Once you get to Pittsburgh, it's not going to be as nice as Hawaii. Correct. It's probably going to be 38 degrees. Then you're going to have to walk and go into long-term parking or whatever and get your car. That's after you get your luggage. That's after you deal with idiots on the plane. That's And then get to your car and you're like, oh, God, 
gosh, there's only a quarter tank of gas. Why did I do this? Now I got to pay and the machine doesn't work and it's trying to take my card and Apple pay. What the hell? And then you get home and you're so tired, but then, oh, you stink like the airplane and you, you're grundle and everything else. And you're like, oh man, I got to wash up. Oh. So there we are. Should we title the podcast, Wash Your Grundle? Yes. Okay. We'll have Greg title the podcast, Wash Your Grundle. Well, that's, I mean, that's the tough part of the travel right in there, the the shared airplane seat. Um, Church was always bad as a kid. If you were, if you were tired in church, like my mom would whack me upside the head, I'd start dozing off. That's never any good either. Jesus sleeps. I mean, he can understand, you know, sleeps for about three days then he gets up, moves, does his thing. Right. It's sometimes, sometimes a month and then he moves a stone. Uh, so. Coming up next, there was a massive event on the North shore. It's like North 40 Pride. days, even more than a month. I was going to say that, but my brain's just not working. I'm yeah, not, we're good. Yeah. A podcast. Also another, not a great place to be tired up next North shore talk. Yup. What a tease. Conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Colin, the atmosphere at the Backyard Brawl Pit, West Virginia, was unlike anything I've seen at Heinz Field slash Acrisure Stadium since I would probably say for me the 2010 playoffs for the Steelers it was a palpating is that a word energy palpitating yeah, yeah. Well, I was close forgot pulsating how about pulsating that was what I was really looking for here we are yes thank you piece me together my friend it was I mean it was a time bomb man and and it was seven o'clock when the ball kicked off and the place just exploded and it felt like a Steelers playoff game and even in recent Steelers playoff seasons obviously the Browns game there was no crowd because of COVID but before that where did the mystique of Heinz Field go man you used to that place used to be really hard to come into and win, and in the playoffs would be tough to win. I mean, Bill Cowher had his problems in the AFC Championship games, both the Three Rivers, and I suppose early on at Heinz Field. But I mean, that place used to rock. Oh yeah. I don't think it rocks anymore. All right, man. let's think of some games then. This is a great exercise. When what year was the Chargers playoff game in here? Was that the same oh, as the Baltimore playoff yeah. run? That I thought it rocked that day. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty loud game. Obviously, the beginning of a lot of those Patriot games, not so much as the game got going. Um, but there was but the beginning of those games when you walked in. Oh they, yeah. That Cowboys game in 2008 as well, where mm-hmm. the Steelers had to come back, place was jumping. It it used to be that. And I mean, is it as simple as the team's been good, but not playoff good? I mean, or is it more deep and nuanced than that? Uh, I think it could be more deep and nuanced than that. We got used to going to playoff games. Then the team lost it. Then, like, okay, I think of the two Jacksonville games, right? The Leftwich game and then the, the other game that they lost. 
I don't remember at any point them being nearly as loud as that. No way. Game last night, even at kickoff, even at the beginning. There was when Pitt returned the pick six for the touchdown. It really did feel I was on the one in the 100 level. It really did feel like I felt it move a little bit. And I, I, I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about the stadium. I felt the stadium move a little bit. And the last time I felt that was when Troy Polamalu was taking the interception in the house against the Baltimore Ravens in 2008. And Joe Flacco, yeah. Against Joe Flacco. It wasn't exactly the same this time around. I mean, that was, I was also in the 500 level then, and it was swaying, baby. But I I can't remember the last time. I guess we've named a few, but to me, it's, it's twofold, probably, as I pop my P there or my F. It's twofold. It's the lack of playoff success, but it's also, I mean, it has become more wine and cheese to go to NFL games and and also expensive. I mean, and so it's kept out some of the people that you would think would be most boisterous among the Steelers fans. I swear to you, it costs as much to park right now as it used to cost to get a oh, ticket man. to the game. Honestly, like when I first started going to Steeler games, the last couple of years at Three Rivers, not last couple of years, but Three Rivers, it cost as much to park right now as it did to get into those yeah. games. It's crazy. It's totally it priced people out. I think that's a great point there. And also just the, the anticipation of success that people don't anticipate big success from the Steelers. This is a fascinating psychological conversation though, because I watched that last night. I was not there. I watched the, the pit, the backyard brawl, the pit game last night and it popped and was loud. Like I hadn't seen it probably since that game since that Baltimore game yeah and I do I also think Pitt is now on and this isn't a Pitt podcast so I'm not going to make it about this but Pitt fans have been wanting for a long time they and they finally have a, a program that won a championship last year in the ACC and back in 2005 2004 this this team was hungry because or this town was hungry for a championship because they hadn't won one since the 1970s. I mean, we saw it with the Pirates whenever they went in 2013. When you don't have something and you're trying to attain something as opposed to maintain something, right. I think I think that adds a little bit more juice to the whole thing. What is okay, what can get Heinz Field back to that level? One playoff win, making the playoffs a run to the Super Bowl, or is it is it past its heyday? Or Acrisure Stadium, whatever the hell. I think I think you can get back there if you keep underachieving for a while and and you sort of widen the gulf between when you were winning things and, and to when you're gonna win things again because you start remembering what you once had, but it fades a little bit, and then winning again becomes new again. I think that is the only way it would ever rock that way again. I really do. You know, in in almost tying the two things together, I've thought of a way. Kenny Pickett has to become this, like, cult hero guy almost. Oh, man, that's a great point. 
for like a, a rallying crazy. around like one individual player that you thirst and want to go see like bus was or like so you're even not Ben even to but Kenny but Pickett that, has to be a, a a drawing card man that is such a good point because the 04 Steelers of course they won every game after the second game of the season but it wasn't just about the oh man we could do this now it was also about the oh, damn, we can keep doing this because we just found that guy, the first guy since Bradshaw, and you thought you knew then? If you think, if Steelers fans think they might have that in Kenny Pickett, there might be a renewed optimism and a feeling of nostalgia all rolled into one that would have people sort of hearkening back. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, they'd have to have one one drawing card that they circle and they say, this is the guy, and especially at the quarterback position. You know, does the running back do it? No. In this day and age, I don't know, because he'd have to rip off 100-yard games all the time, every yeah. single game. And, and does running the football do it for you? No. The sexy quarterback does. So I think that that would, that would make this city electric. Heck, the guy is the backup quarterback. And granted, it was his alma mater last night. But, like, he needed security as the backup quarterback to just walk around the stadium. I, I know. It's crazy. I know. And, and the amount of attention that guy got in the stadium last night, I know I realize what he did for the University of Pittsburgh, so that's going to matter. But I, you'd be hard-pressed to find many of the Pitt fans that are in that stadium that aren't also Steelers fans, obviously. I mean, there might be the odd few from out of state that went to Pitt or whatever. But when they showed him on the screen, apart from the game itself, Kenny Pickett getting put up on the screen was the biggest pop of the night. And I don't think it was even close. Yeah. They also shot fireworks every time they uh, scored a touchdown, which I thought was not nice because we don't shoot fireworks like that in West Virginia, Colin. No, it doesn't. Uh, no, it is what it is. It's so, easily accessible, though. You know what it made me think of last night as well? with or during the backyard brawl with there was a, a fair amount of West Virginia fans there not as many as was reported there has only been two times that I remember at Heinz Field the opposition bringing in a whole bunch of fans and one of them was you go back to whatever year 2011 maybe it was okay Brett Favre whenever he was a Minnesota Viking the Vikings brought an unbelievable amount of fans and then the Duck Hodges year when the yeah. Buffalo Bills came to town, it was it that was what you want to talk about North Side and Buffalo violence and throwing people through tables and those dudes taking I mean they were taking over bars in downtown Pittsburgh. Buffalo fans were only two times I can remember having been down there, and I I was fortunate to go to a lot of games. Only two times I can remember there being a, a lot of opposition fans. I agree with you. I I don't remember outside of that. No, it just it just doesn't happen. It is a that is a weird phenomenon too, uh, because even in the division, like I see, if you go to Cleveland or you go to Cincinnati or you go to Baltimore, it feels like there are a lot more Steeler fans there than ever reciprocate. Oh yeah, I don't. There were some Baltimore Raven fans here um the last time i was at a raven steelers game but it's never the same as the amount of steelers fans that are in baltimore for one of those games colin apropos of nothing yeah. favorite hangover food oh water 
Um, that's a good that's, one. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, I don't go the grease routes. I don't. I think that just sits in your stomach. I don't think that's good. Uh, you know what I am a big? I am a big um, make a sandwich guy. A big, big sandwich guy. Do you fold over your lunch meat or do you stack it? Stack. Full on. Me straight too. away. Big, big, long. Like, oh, I open it up, you know. And, yeah, it, here's a, this is a great topic. Because my wife and I are at odds about this. She likes to get the, the meat chipped. Uh, oh, I, boy. Ooh. All kinds. Turkey, all that kind of stuff. She gets a turkey chipped. All of it. All of it. Yeah. I like straight slices. I don't and, even know what I would do, how I would make a sandwich with the chipped. It would get you, lumpy. Yeah, you got to get it. Right. You got to press it down. You got to get it in. You got to pull you do, it you out. Push you push it into the bread. It's a whole thing. It's a whole ordeal. Yeah, it doesn't lay sort of uh symmetrically i guess or whatever the word is that i'm looking for and it just is kind of a mishmash on the bread i don't i don't like that um i just i don't but um i like to just lay it and stack it and then put a slice of cheese on it i hold the north Mm. american and maybe the world record definitely the north american record for opening up the refrigerator drunk and grabbing one slice of cheese <laughs> as the refrigerator is open and then just sticking the bag right back in. I'm that guy. I do the same thing, but I'll stand there for like four minutes looking for something else. And then it just winds up being the cheese. Like I don't go in there for the cheese, but it will be cheese that gets thrown into my mouth. Oh yeah. I'm also this guy. I will. Now there's different layers of drunk. There's that. There's just reach in and grab a slice of cheese. I will, when I'm really drunk, because I want to trick myself and say, you don't need a sandwich, fat ass. You're just drunk. But what I will do is I will get a slice of cheese and get some meat, and I will just wrap the meat in the cheese and just eat that standing in front of the open refrigerator. I did that two days ago Mm -hmm. with pepperoni. It's a big move. Big move. Not a great breath move, but definitely a good, Also, I need this sustenance move. Not a great marriage move because here's what happens invariably with me. My wife will walk by because she gets the meat chipped for some reason. She'll walk by either an hour later, the next morning, at some point afterwards, and see the area just in front of the refrigerator. And it could be a speck that is one one hundredth of a millimeter of chipped turkey or whatever. And it's on the ground. It's just a you know, why wouldn't you just make a sandwich or why wouldn't you just get a plate? And I said, what are you talking about? And play dumb. So well, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you were, you obviously pulled meat out in front of the fridge. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I picked it up in front of the fridge. You didn't make a sandwich in midair. Why were you just standing there eating? And I said, well, all right, you got me. So hey. she will find the, the evidence. She will find the, 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 the you know, the, they the always stuff at do. the scene of the crime. It's crazy. They always do. It's their superpower. Yeah. They, uh, it's not. A, it's not even a, a, a true sin, but to them it is, and they can, they can smell that. You're right. Speaking of sinning, Mike Tomlin's, he's he's lying to us. This, this guy's lying to us. I'll get to that coming up next. It's fourth down in the Steel City. Conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with your hosts Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. 
Welcome back. Fourth down in the Steel City. Adam Crowley, Colin Dunlap. Colin, Mike Tomlin says, eh, I don't need to tell you media folks who our starting quarterback is. Maybe I've named him. Maybe I haven't. I bet you the team knows it's Mitch Trubisky, and I'm starting to think he actually told the team, Mike Tomlin, that it's Mitch Trubisky. You play in a, a little over a week against Cincinnati. They know. Don't tell me they don't know. They know. Oh, yeah. Well, answer me this, because this is something that I can't figure out. Mike Tomlin is a big noise eliminator, right? He wants to not ha- he wants to have it, or at least he wants to insulate his team from the noise. Yeah. Why would he, and I, other than a competitive advantage for the other team, which I don't think they're going to have a competitive advantage because they, they're scouting Mitch Trubisky as the number one guy. What would it do other than create a story it, uh, by keeping this under wraps? Why wouldn't he just come out and name it? That, to me, would eliminate a story as opposed to create one. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I wonder if he's doing it just to play with the media. I don't know what the motivation would be there, but it doesn't seem like it serves the team. To me, if it's a college team, okay, I understand it. It happens all the time where a college coach won't release a depth chart and there's back and forth between the coaches. Or Pat Narduzzi says, West Virginia's going to play JT Daniels in the backyard brawl. They ain't saying it. I'll say it. But there's an advantage for or at least there's a hope for I guess in this instance West Virginia that hey you know what why tell them something that they don't need to know if they can uh, prepare for other players as for the Steelers are Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky that different I mean even if it were Mason Rudolph they're going to be playing within the Matt Canada style of offense and each of them has their own form of athleticism with Mason Rudolph, a distant third. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think I would want to send the message to my team outwardly and publicly. Mitch is our guy. Let's go rally around this dude. They're all that. I don't think they're all that different. I'll tell you the one piece of analysis that I have warmed up to. And I was tepid on this at the beginning and now I've kind of warmed up to it. And I, I look, I think Mr. Bissy is going to have a good year, and I don't think he's going to come out of the game. I think he's going to be the starter for the duration. But let's play it the way the masses want to. The Kenny Pickett is going to get this job at some point during the year, and he's inching his way toward that. And that's what a lot of people are saying. I have warmed to the theory, the working theory that people use, that it is much easier to wait and insert him as opposed to start and have to pull him out and then figure out a time to reinsert him if he doesn't do well. Like, it, it does – it serves him. It serves the team. It serves his draft point. It serves the longevity of his career. It serves uh, an ease into situation. Like, if the only danger in that is that Mitch Trubisky never sucks. And right. then it's like, why did we do this? But <laughs> I have warmed to if you're going to play it that way, then you go ahead and it is easier to put him in after Trubisky doesn't play well than start him out of the gate and then have to take him out if if he doesn't play well. Yeah, I buy that. I also, I wonder if maybe Mike Tomlin hasn't made the announcement because in some way you want to, you want to boost Kenny Pickett up. If that makes sense, not, not tear Trubisky down, but 
hey, you don't name your starting quarterback, lends credence to, hey, maybe there is for another week a little bit more of a quarterback competition or almost a nod to Kenny Pickett. You know what? He performed well enough that we all think Mitch Trubisky's the guy, but why not give it one more week and see what these guys can do? I wonder if there's any of that there or, hey, maybe I'm just overthinking the whole thing. You might be overthinking the whole thing, and I'll tell you what the answer for me is. At some point, at least privately, somebody needs to be the one to start to work with the ones and game plan for week one. Yeah, right. With the Bengals. I mean, let's forget about the shenanigans about and the roster jockeying simply about designating someone. There becomes a practical game planning situation soon. There does. I mean, and you've got to like there there's always that risk of or in a quarterback battle, a real quarterback battle of if you think you know who your guy is and you're giving equal reps to two guys, you're really you're doing the team a massive disservice. And you're doing it for what reason? What are you what are you trying to prove and what's the rush especially with a guy like Kenny Pickett? They've got Mason Rudolph now, uh, who hasn't been traded. I'm wondering, Colin, he's not gonna he's not gonna get a helmet on game day. But I continue to flirt with this because they do believe in Kenny Pickett. I wonder if they had to win two games and Mitch Trubisky was hurt. I wonder how t- tempted Mike Tomlin would be to go with Mason Rudolph. Man. I think, do you think Mike Tomlin still likes him as much as he once did? Mike Tomlin believes, I think, in guys with experience and guys who know what it means to be a stealer. And I just, I I know that Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy that gets a helmet. And that would mean that they would trust Kenny to go in for a game. Maybe because it, it would look bad if you're, First-round quarterback doesn't get a helmet on game day. But I think if they had a week to sit on it, I'm not saying he would definitely make the decision, but I do think if he had a week to sit on it, I think it would be a decision he thinks he has to make in his mind or one that he has to think about. Yeah, I still I still don't know if Kenny Pickett will make it to the beginning of the season. I still think they might be waiting for someone to come off of waivers to be that third guy. Honestly, you think that they might trade Mason Rudolph still before the year starts? Yeah, yeah, they might be trying to get somebody through a practice squad, waiting for somebody else to get cut. Well, the cuts are made, but they might finagle a way to get a a different third guy in here, trade Mason Rudolph. I'm not going to believe he's a third quarterback till I see him standing there in a ball cap. Do they owe anything to Mason Rudolph? No, they already gave it to him. They, Hey, listen, I've said this a bunch of times, and there are people that don't want to believe it in this town. The Steelers would not be in this predicament, so to speak, and I don't think they're in a predicament. I think they got two pretty good quarterbacks. He had every chance in the world to be the successor to Ben Roethlisberger, and he didn't grab the opportunity. Yeah. If he would have performed well, we're not here. As recently as last year. I mean, Correct. he ties the Lions. If he goes in there and throws three touchdown passes and throws for – 325, 340 yards. Hmm. Didn't know you had that in you. Makes a tough throw here and there, even though it's against a bad team. Yeah, he had many opportunities. Mike Tomlin also 
put his neck on the line for Mason Rudolph with the whole Miles Garrett uh, racial slur incident. So the Steelers have done a lot for Mason Rudolph. And here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the Mason Rudolph draft pick is a bust? Because I don't. I tell think me you, why. Tell me, you tell me why, and then I want to react to that. Yeah, I think you need backup quarterbacks, right? And I think you would rather not have to pay them a lot of money. And the best way to do that, I think, is to have one that's homegrown. Now, you have a first-round grade on him, or so you say. But I think that, that it doesn't mean he needs to perform like a first-round pick because he still got him in the third round. But there's an upside play for them there. He didn't reach that. But he was a legitimate backup quarterback for them. He played 10 games. He won more than he lost. And he never broke the bank along the way. Even now, that dude's not making a lot of money for a backup quarterback. You got to have a backup quarterback. I think drafting one's the best way to go about it. Um, I think that the free agency scrap heap is the best way to go about it. Because you could pay them about the same. And they're going to affect your franchise about the same. Uh, you know, I know guys get increasingly hurt and those things happen, concussion protocol, all that stuff now. But I, if you want to tell me you're going to keep around a, he, here's why. All things equal, I think a man that stands there in that, in this particular situation, mm -hmm. a man that ends up standing there as the third round draft pick when you have opportunities to take third round draft picks that can help you at other positions immediately or uh, for the, for the future, I think it's a waste in that regard. Whenever you, you could have got what Mason Rudolph did in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah. I mean, he did go five, four and one uh, Landry Jones had some success as well. And he was a fourth round pick. So that, that's a point well taken. And I mean, but if I don't you, disagree with you. And he's it's not. A, go, it's got to be a guy you trust to help you for a five week span if you take him in the third round. And they did. Yes. Yes. And I wonder where things would have gone. And, and this is all people can ever do for Mason Rudolph is play the what if game. Right. I wonder where things would have gone if he had stayed healthy in that Jets game because he was playing well in that game. He had fallen on hard times. I mean, that whole season was hard times. He was up and down. That was the best I think he had played. And then he got hurt. But you know what? We're going to stop talking about Mason Rudolph because we're not going to have to talk about Mason Rudolph much longer because he's either going to get traded or he's a third quarterback. So yes. what the frig are we doing here? One last thing before we go here, Colin. Yes. We are more than a week out. We will do, I'm sure, full Cincinnati Bengals preview stuff coming up next week. But as – we sit here right now. Do you feel better or worse about the Steelers' chances against the Bengals in game number one than you did when the schedule came out? Better. Because I increasingly don't feel as good about Joe Burrow. And it's not because I feel much better about the Steelers. I just start to really think about it, and I do think the Super Bowl hangover is real. Um, so there's that. I also wondered from a Steelers standpoint, if George Pickens could be infused directly into being the number two receiver. And I think that 
in some sets and some uh, formations, he might be the number one option and he might be very good. So there's that. And I think that we're past the play and nice stuff and that Miles Jack's going to be like, you know what, F off. I'm leading this defense. Like, he doesn't have to say and, and do nice things anymore. He's just going to go out there and ball out. And that's we're at a different point now with Miles Jack. Yeah, I'll keep it simple as well. I feel better about it because I believed in Mitch Trubisky, but then I saw him play in the preseason. And he just reinforced that what I thought he could do, he can do, because now I've seen him do it here in Pittsburgh. Albeit the preseason, that guy did nothing to give up a starting job. That guy showed that he can extend plays, something that Ben Roethlisberger just simply couldn't do at the tail end of his career behind that offensive line. All right, Colin. All right. I'm, I'm going to go eat some cheese. Yeah, right out of the fridge, standing in front of the refrigerator. That's yeah. the move. Don't Some eat it anywhere jam. else. Yeah, well, we'll we'll tweet out to the peeps, all you listeners out there, what the plan is for the podcast next week, Labor Day. I don't know. I mean, can we in good? I mean, can we really do a podcast on Labor Day? That doesn't seem right. No, it seems un-American. You don't want to be laborious on Labor Day. It's yeah. quite the difference of you know. It's named Labor Day, but you want to stay away from any labor is That's the right. way that it works. So uh, we'll let you know what the plan is. We'll have two next week at some point, and we'll go from there. Colin, enjoy your vacation, my friend. Adam, I'll talk to you. Listeners, a fourth down in the Steel City, goodbye. <laughs>